Hey, it's Burton Shalow. And this is Savannah Hart, and you're listening to the Black Box Podcast. not going to get there uh, for someone to disrespect me. If they show that like it's going to be a hard time or they're not going to trust me or they're constantly going to want a second opinion, I don't work with them because I don't want to work with you. I, I don't want to work with someone who doesn't trust me. I don't know. I grew up very differently than that. From New York City, this is the Black Box Podcast with Burton Kumar Chawla and Savannah Victoria Hart. Middle names, government government today. Government (laughs) names. On this episode, we have publicist, event director, manager, talent relations, the famed Sandrine Charles. Did I miss anything there? I mean, what an intro, honestly. I would I would love to start by telling the story of when I first met Sandrine because I had the same idea where I didn't know what she did. Backtrack. So I used to work for a music agency and we outsourced Sandrine. And again, I didn't know exactly what she did, but I knew whenever we wanted to make something dope or have it pop in the culture, we tapped on her. Um, so I specifically remember the first time you walked into the conference room at the music agency and you had this presence and this affinity that kind of commanded the room. And this is my first time working in music. My background is sports. So I've never really experienced this with a black woman in particular, right? The CEO is, is a white male. And whenever she speaks, it's, it's like everyone listens and there's a respect there and like we're following her direction right so once i saw this i was like that's a woman i need to be next to that's a woman i need to learn from so i would i would love to know because again like i that's not something that i saw often at least from a sports perspective because there's little women there's little black people um so to have a combination of a black woman in power and owning that power and that confidence is something beautiful, right? So I would love to know how you got to that space of, you know, knowing knowing who you are and being able to command that room with that authoritative presence. I mean, what a compliment. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm just I'm just speaking facts, okay? <laughs> um, but in terms of like commanding the room, I've always been talkative, like I've also always been told to say what I feel. So going into my career, it was always like, all right, I'm going to watch the people as I grew into it, like internships and then junior positions. I'm going to watch the people around me and also be aware of like, who's in charge. Um, And I'm like, well, I feel like I'm in charge, you know, in other aspects of my life, I need to ensure that I'm in charge here. So it's knowing exactly what I'm talking about and being very much present. Um, I listen to everyone. I always say I'm reading the room before I get in the room. Then when I get in the room, I'm like, all right, who's in charge on that side? And then also, are they going to listen to me? And what am I saying to them? Explain in the elevator pitch what you do. I often run into, especially at in, I'm, I'm, my parents are from India, so at Indian weddings, you get an auntie, you get an uncle come up to you and ask you what you do. 
And it's not a simple answer as I'm an engineer or I'm a lawyer or I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. (laughs) Doctor and engineer. People, people low key don't, don't realize the Indians like engineers too. They love engineers. That's the same with the Caribbean culture as well. I was about to say, like my options were lawyer, doctor, right? you know, engineer wasn't for, wasn't an option presented to me, but I knew it was for other relatives. Right. So, so when you get asked that question, how do you answer that? So you're concisely and honest to yourself. I say I'm a communications consultant primarily because, you know, though I own my agency going on five years in June or July this year, uh, previous to that, I was working across the spectrum. Like I was in PR, but then I also jumped into social media and then, you know, working on partnerships for my clients. So in order to couple it up, I say communications consultant, but early on in my career, going home to family functions, being Caribbean, like, what do you do? It's like, oh, you know, I help get brands and magazines. And that was the easiest way to say it. And then as like clients were getting on TV and I was sharing that, like, oh, I, I kind of understand what you do. But for me, first generation, like that was unclear uh, as a professional path, right? It was something that you see, but you don't really know if it makes you money. I was told to go to law school. (laughs) Um, I was taking my LSAT as I was a coordinator. I I took it twice. Um, I was waitlisted at schools that I would prefer to go to. So I was like, you know what, this is just not for me. And it, you know, I had to make my own money and I had to figure it out. And I think that that really helped me to, in, in a way, I mean, I hated being poor, but that misery set me up for my mindset today and where I am today. For you know, a little bit of context, I started my agency because someone referred client a client to me that was big. And then I got that client. And then a month later, an old client referred a project to me. So it was never created to be an agency. I was like, oh, I want to like, chill and travel. I've been working consistent. I've had back-to-back big launches that I was literally spearheading and the clients came to me uh, for the past couple of years. So I wanted to give myself a break, but I didn't get a break. At least I had my LLC because I got it in advance. Um, But that's how the company started. And that's how we are. Obviously, when we get a referral, we have to pitch it in. But like, I'm not cold calling people. I would I would love to know as two people who are successful in your consulting business, like how do you know when you when you can make that jump from a corporation or an agency to being able to have your own? Because, you know, like I Sandra, you answer this one because I told you I, I got fired. I had no choice. I mean, I didn't get fired. <laughs> I left. Um, and I I left because I was in a hamster wheel. I was doing these launches. I was working with so many great brands and that's all people knew. Like, they're like, oh my God, you work with this person, that person. I'm like, I'm my own person. Let me take a break. Let me get back to me. And then as I sent out my emails, like, hey, in the next three weeks, I'm leaving. Thankfully, like editors were like, hey, do you want this brand? Like, da, da, da. And so it grew, but I didn't tell anyone you know, outside of the people I was working with to get a logo and my website, et cetera, together, that I was doing this. As far as anyone knew, I was just working. And then um, 
that September, I went away for my friend's birthday and I was still working, but I didn't announce it until I had a situation together. And I, you know, you know, the Caribbean superstitious, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to put that out there and my stuff isn't together. Um, And people wish bad on you too. You never know. You never know who's ill will. Are you you doing like self-promotion now or PR now, or is it, is there a concerted PR effort? Well, I don't promote myself if that makes sense. I mean, I've always been like, I do what I do. Like you, I work, so I have money, but I'm not working for like notoriety. I want to be a mom. I want to be like married. <laughs> but in, in hindsight, Real life. I yeah, yeah, no doubt. yeah, no doubt. You know? But um, yeah, I do. There are opportunities that come my way and I will do the press. The press obviously helps the business, but um, I've worked with so many different companies and I'm always good to people. You know, I'm sure if I'm at an event, I'm not smiling at you. I'm trying to get things done, but I refer people all the time. I connect people all the time. It's like being a good person um, has helped my career, if that makes sense. And I want to continue moving in that direction. I'm thankful that I have like clients that were 95, 98% retainer. Uh, so it's not heavy on the project side. Uh, you know, I have a team, we're able to work on great things. And so if if I have to do a sponsored LinkedIn situation, this isn't for me anymore. Right. It took me three years to get a retainer client. It was all project base, which is stressful as fuck. Because um, you're literally eating what you kill. And that first year was, I did not take it seriously enough and I had enough money to not take it seriously enough. So then it took me two more years before I got my first retainer client. And I'm sure Sandrine could speak to this. It's night and day the way you can operate when you have a good retainer client, someone that you can trust and someone that pays on time and someone that listens to you. Yeah, I think for me, it's like we have clients, we've had clients that have come and go, but the ones that people get like, oh, like I love that client. It's always the ones where there's a mutual respect. It's always the ones that like really listen to me. Um, And they really do soar because I'm not making it up in my head. I'm like, you need this to be successful or this, that, and the third. And they're like, okay, if it's not today, we'll get it tomorrow. Like it's not everything is overnight. And I think the misconception about PR, unless you have something big to launch is that so many people should be writing about it immediately. Um, And so, you know, and then being a black woman um, before this past year, you know, it's like, okay, I'm telling you, do you, are you sure I'm going to ask someone? So how do you deal with that? I don't want to. I'm like, I'm leaving. Goodbye. (laughs) Um, How would you deal with that? So how would you deal with that? Something that I've come across is what you mentioned before, mutual trust and the idea that like, hey, you trust that I know what I'm doing, right? So as a consultant, sometimes you get a client that just doesn't trust fully that the direction you're guiding them to is correct. So a method that I often use is I say out loud, it's your money. You're paying me for my advice. I would look at it as you're wasting your money if you're going to ask me for my advice and not take it. And that method coming from a man has worked. I'm, I guess what I'm getting at, Sandra, and I know this is a long-winded way to get there, but is it easy for you to identify that the questioning is coming from the fact that you're a consultant, which I think happens a lot? Or is it coming from the fact that you are a black woman? Or is it some sort of combination? 
like we don't get to the client, we don't get to paperwork if I'm getting those, you know, I don't care. And like, I feel like money comes and what's for you is for you. So if, even if it's a great opportunity, if you're making my life miserable, we haven't even gotten to paperwork, then we're not going to get What if you're already in paperwork? And we're then not going to get to paperwork it. if you're speaking to me okay. crazy. So, if you speak to me crazy, we're not getting anywhere. But okay? I'm talking about something more implicit. I'm talking about something that is more subtle than the crazy talk. But that's the thing. You're speaking to me crazy with those microaggressions, those jabs, those little comments. It doesn't need to be you blatantly disrespecting me. And you see, I like I leaned in because I'm like, I can be all corporate and calm and, you know, whatever. But disrespect in general, I do not tolerate. So if I sense that you're trying to tiptoe around me not knowing what I'm talking about, or you want to go ask somebody else for their opinion and then come back to me in three weeks and go, Hey, you know, we've thought about it. And yeah, we want to move forward with you. Yeah. Cause you talk to X, Y, Z and so-and-so and I know them. So no, you know, I, I just feel like at this day and age with all the education there is out there, and all the resources to check, you know, someone's background. If you don't feel comfortable with working with them, then it's okay if you don't want to work with me. I want to work with people who want to win together. I want to work with people who want to grow together. You know, we have great clients that have been there with me, you know, three, four of the years that I've been in business, you know, loyalty is huge. So we're not everything you drop is going to be amazing and not everything you release is going to be all over the internet, but at least you understand that we're storytelling, we're building something for you and, or we're elevating what you have already done. Um, and those are the clients I like to work with and the ones that I want to stay with me. So Sandrine, when you come across these situations, do you, do you like tell them about themselves? Like, do you hold them accountable before you leave? Cause I feel like that's huge, right? Cause it's, it's easy to just walk away, but I feel like to call the person out so they know exactly what they did do wrong so that it doesn't happen again because they'll feel that burn of you leaving. Like, do you, do you ever have that conversation or do you just like, you should know, you should be educated on this. I'm out. I think transparently, I'm like, I'm not anyone that, and I'm saying that now and I'm sure we'll get to other topics. I feel like, you know what you're doing. I will say I don't feel comfortable or I feel slightly disrespected. I don't know if this is going to work. Um, in, in some instances, you know, I'll, I'll be real. I, I should have said more, but I also feel like in those spaces, can I say more previous to the last year? Are you going to, you know, hold something against me with other people because I stood up for myself? But again, I'm very lucky that I have not been blatantly disrespected I've had one issue of microaggressions and that person is still clocking me. Like, it's like, all right, but you disrespected me. Why do, why do you care what I'm doing? So clocking me means what? Like you're like, you're, like you're on me. Like uh, you're, paying you're checking in doing. on what I'm okay, doing, got it, and got it. et cetera. But in, in, you know, just to come full circle and answer your question, no one has blatantly disrespected me where it's like, so oh my have God, you I'm, told someone, have you checked someone explicitly? Like, I'm, I'm, I imagine I, you've gone through this microaggression process as well. I would say I would say now now that I'm a little bit more independent, yes. But like 
within when I was at a corporation. Yes, you have or yes, you will. No, yes, I have. Um, when I was at a corporation or at an agency, it's like I, I haven't to be transparent because that's your job on the line at the yeah. end of the day. That's your check. Exactly. Yeah. And, so, and also, you're probably one of none in the room. So what are you exactly. going to do? So, so, her, so here's love, another. Go ahead, yeah, because, you know, we have this so-called affirmative action in corporations nowadays where, you know, you have to hire a certain amount of people of color um, and they they look at that as their diversity and inclusion. But when you get there, you still have those microaggressions. And like you mentioned, you're one of few in the room. So a lot of the times what you say is a different perspective, which is supposed to be good for creativity and innovation. But a lot of the times it's you're reprimanded or ridiculed for having a different opinion. And a lot of the times you you are the one of an anomaly in the room. So what what do you feel like corporations and agencies can do more to foster an actual environment of genuine contribution? Right. Because just hiring black people or people of color, I should say, it isn't enough. This is a way deeper rabbit hole than I thought we were going to go into. So, Sandy, I don't know if you want to answer the question. I mean, my answer is like this is more about race and this is more about racism than anything else. Right. And, and, and what I mean by that is like there are it is so abundantly clear with this past election in the past four years. And let's be one thousand about it. Our entire lives like racism is very rampant in America and then therefore in corporate America. So it's not as simple as like, Oh, we got a diversity inclusion program, right? Because it's humans that have to execute all that. I being in cities like New York, we don't feel it as much. I know we feel it. I know you've gone through it. I know Sandrine's gone through it. It was Savannah's question. I think Savannah's question was like, what what can corporate America do more besides affirmative action to, to really diversify, like actually diversify the workplace? Um, I think that's like a lot of what Lindsay and I are doing with the Black and Fashion Council because we're working with um, all of these fashion, uh, lifestyle and beauty companies. And, you know, our, our alignment is primarily with their DEI team, even though uh, their marketing or comms team will uh, interact with us. But um, it's so that there is a universal standard of like, not only respect for the diversity that you have at your company, but also retaining that. Um, I mean, I've seen so many people complain or air out these companies and their experiences, especially over this past summer. And it's like, there's such a huge consistency there. And like our, our company's not noticing that. So we're definitely taking a lot of steps to help um, pull the pieces together uh, for that universal standard in our industry in particular, primarily because like you want to climb the corporate ladder. You want to be respected. Like I've had times when I was like mid early senior level and I'd be brought into like creative meetings for clients that I spoke to day to day and they'd come up with all these ideas and I'm like, mm, no. And they're like, this is the idea. And then they'd go pitch it and I'm in the room and I'm looking at the client. The client's like, no. And I'm like, of course not. I'm talking to them every day. I'm not making this up. So it's it's always interesting. Uh, what are some of the see- steps that you're taking? Give me a specific example of a step 
that you're helping to overcome stuff like that? Well, we're creating our own HRC index score. So similar, you know, the HRC human rights index, they are, uh, they've done a great job. And we learned that the LGBTQIA plus community created their own um, recently. So we're like, we're going to do one for black and brown professionals in fashion. Um, So we're creating it from soup to nuts. We've been hosting conversations with the brands uh, in the council directly with the, the HRC. We're going to execute this survey um, in Q1, uh, latest early Q2. And we're going to see where there are similarities. Obviously we know there are similarities everywhere from, being there. But when you get down to the nitty gritty and you see what categories and what topics are glaring, we can actually help do the work. And that's not only with resources, but, you know, reconnecting them with different people. It's also aligning them with different professionals to speak internally or work on it. We're working on a job fair. It'll be a virtual job fair. Um, Initially, we're working on a directory where we will have a directory of all creatives in this space, various categories. Um, so we're trying to do our due diligence to bring people together in a space where it's like, okay, I mean, I know growing up in this uh, field, if you know, if there was a black person in the room, there probably is not. Gonna, there probably is no room for me because there would only be one, and that one person probably is not going to be helpful for you because they are fighting to stay in that space. So we're trying to make it a little easier for people to be in different companies or different conversations and be open to it. Like my main group chat, you know, we're all either publicists or editors and, you know, there's no competition. It's like, Oh, you have that content. Cool. You know, can you connect me with this person? And it's Whatever. all black and brown people in that yeah. group chat. And one Asian girl. Okay. Yeah. And it's all women, all women, but I have other group chats. Like this is just like my, <laughs> I mouth, hope like, so. my <laughs> yeah. but like the point is like, I can call, you know, another black publicist right now and give them a, like offer them a position that came in my inbox or something like that. But I don't feel like when I was in internship mode or coordinator mode, that those opportunities were shared. I think that we're now realizing how much stronger we are together. And obviously we watched, you know, people do it a different way and it didn't get them to a place where we're not still doing the same song and dance um, as we're senior in our career. So, you know, we're really trying to make an impact and it's a second job that we do out of labor of love. So, so are you guys essentially like creating a pool of candidates of people of color for these companies to be able to access? Uh, They can access that when the directory happens. I mean, obviously, if they we have a job board currently, several of the companies under the umbrella have posted for jobs. And obviously, it's called Black and Fashion Council. So you're getting more black candidates. Um, Our network has grown tremendously under six months. So we are ensuring that people that we haven't been able to reach directly are applying for these positions. They're seeing these opportunities. We're going to continue to connect with them with these town halls and panels and internal discussions. We want to definitely get to everyone right now. I'm sure people are like, Oh, when are we like going to start kicking things off? It's like, we didn't know we'd have a hundred brands. You know, we didn't think by January we'd have so many brands um, involved. So we're also taking the steps to ensure that everything we do is meaningful um, along the way. This is dope. This is dope. I think this brings up this question for me, which I deal with as well. Or probably not as much as you guys do. If there's an opportunity for you 
professionally and therefore monetarily. And it's with a brand or a company that you like. And the opportunity is worth your time. But the only reason you're getting it is because you're black. How does that make you feel? I think when you're talking about like multicultural um, opportunities, then obviously you would want a black person to lead that specifically because it's speaking to their culture, et cetera. If it's an opportunity and they're like, we have to diversify our offering um, or our agency and ensure that we hire a black one and it's not multicultural. Cool. Run me my money. Mm-hmm. Run it. That, because and you they're, feel the same way? Yeah. I, and yeah. And I also feel like, at least for me, like I have the confidence that I'll be able to bring the value. So that's also opening doors for people behind me. Right. So now this company can see like, oh, wow, like this black girl, she really outdid herself. She's better than half of the staff we have here. Maybe we should look at other black people like and it, it's, they're obviously not saying it like that. But that's really how it happened. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. That's why I asked the question. I think you guys would bring a perspective because I've had two instances in the last I want to say five years. In both instances, it was said out loud to me, we have to hire a black person for this. I went with it because I was like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, let's hire a black person. But in my head, I wondered in both cases how that person would feel if they knew that. I think they feel it. I think they feel it already. I don't think anyone is like, oh my God, I don't think, like, I don't think a lot of DEI professionals that have been hired in the past six months are thinking I'm not hired because I'm black. Um, so I think they're aware of it. And if it, and to Savannah's point, if this is an opportunity for me to show and prove and, you know, remove the doubt in your mind, then great, run me more money and I will do a good job. And then the person behind me will have less of an issue in this space, or at least in this company. Yes. Yeah, so I feel like it's a lot of people are being awoken to it like now they're trying to educate themselves a little bit but you also have the people who are just trying to show off and i've had a situation like this where you know sometimes people show off off means what like just try to pretend i'm down for the culture like like you were saying like let me like let's hire this black person to show that we're that we're hiring black people but i feel like also you know sometimes people in power and white people in power specifically they don't necessarily know you know, the difference. So like, and I'll, I'll give this example where, you know, for Black History Month, we were going to hire an artist to perform for an agency, but not pay him. It was going to be off the strength. And a Black person had to step in and be like, you are literally going against everything that we are trying to support in Black History Month by having a Black person perform for free for a predominantly white agency. And then the white person, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, we should definitely pay them, right? But it's a lot of the times it's just like a, you know... It's ignorance, right? Yeah, it's really. the ignorance is bliss thing, but... Yeah, but it's also like education. Like you have to know, like, or at least be educated in your home um, a little better. And I think that people are also realizing that even though uh, black people have been shouting it from the rooftops, like this isn't everything that happened. Like I'm home reading other, like I'll say that for myself personally, like I went to predominantly white school. Most of my high school friends in school were white. 
I was probably their first black friend and that's their experience. So going into college and having all these other opinions about black people, one of them definitely said directly to me after freshman year, like if I didn't have you as a friend, I'd turn up, I'd turn out like a lot of my friends now in college and the things they say, but it's like, what? No, I know them. Like, what are you talking about? So it's the lack of education and then that lack of education and then times entitlement times, you know, ego will lead you to where you are. There are so many influencers who posted about different books as resources, et cetera, in a black square. But then, you know, once the smoke cleared was back to their content. I'm not saying that we all need to wallow in, you know, in that moment. However, you're not doing anything else. You're still consistently showcasing the fact that you were just doing it so that you weren't canceled right. and now you're moving forward. And I that think education that education is the home that like you said, I don't you know how you learn, correct how are you that? going to teach someone else? And then no doubt, but you know, you and then that? it goes back and you know, I had to go to the library every weekend. I had to read new books. I was forced to read the newspaper, national geographics. I had to know about everything so that no one could tell me anything. I used to be miserable in it, but now I see how beneficial it was. But I didn't have friends who did the same. I still don't have friends who watch Roots. Like, like, and, and I'm not saying Roots is the best education system for, uh, regarding slavery, but what they taught us was really nothing. I feel like one of the um, one of the solutions to your question, Burton, is not only you know having black people in these spaces, but creating a space where they feel comfortable to speak up, right? Because that person in in the in the scenario that I just gave with the music agency is like you know that person felt comfortable enough to tell tell that person in power that they were wrong and then we were able to have corrective action as opposed to you know someone just like quote unquote canceling them and just like you know moving on and i feel like that's really where the change comes in with accountability which i feel like i was saying before everything we're doing is rooted in accountability and i think that that's probably why we have so many people that are willing to work with us. We're not trying to air you out. Even like in real life, like I have friends that unfortunately I haven't spoken to really. They didn't want to see, you know, how I being the black friend in the group chat or the group, how I was, there's no accountability saying, I don't know why you'd feel uncomfortable. I'm not sure why this is such a heightened, you know, a situation, but instead just saying, all right, let's talk about this music or whatever. Um, so I think in any space, canceling doesn't help. They keep coming back. We people keep canceling Facts. somebody's president, but he's still not gone. Somebody's like, president. Like, what is going on? So, if you look at it from the top to the bottom, it's just unfortunately the air quote the American way. Because instead of saying, "Great, we took land," and I know I'm probably getting too deep, but it's like we took land from the Native Americans, and instead of fixing this, we're going to act like it didn't happen, and we're going to celebrate, you know, this one senator in 2021. We had slavery, but instead of addressing it and putting it in the school system, we're going to say that you guys are making things up when we're talking about redlining and police brutality, etc. Instead of being accountable, it's all it filters through every aspect of our lives. So Accountability is important. Um, obviously, it's like who wants to be the mouthpiece for it? I think everybody is now because everyone's home and they're pretty much fed up. Um, and, and I'm very shocked at so many people that are willing to engage in these conversations. But I've been I've been pleasantly surprised at mostly white people being 
willing to hear me talk about this stuff. Now, on the other side of it... I feel like they feel forced to at this point. Like, if you're on conference calls on Zooms, like, and you want to talk about something, you're not going to be like, well, Burton, let's not talk about that right now. Yeah, they're forced (laughs) to listen. Yeah, everyone's hypersensitive. That's right, Savannah. I I agree. They're forced to listen to it because they don't want to be quote-unquote canceled. But I'll tell you, it is a huge litmus test. It's working. Like, you can tell who's willing to actually listen and then have the conversation and who's not. So there's a lot of transparency or candor happening now. Uh, Sandrine, for you, are you are you like hyper comfortable in where your where your seat is now in the world that it's okay to have these kind of conversations? I've always been vocal, so it's not like a transitional seat. Um I think that um you know, I'm more aware of my voice in this space. Like you just don't, like I talk for a living, right? I communicate, but people are listening to me speak about fashion, about, you know, sneaker release. It's not the same as saying like someone sharing their experience. And I'm like, yeah, that's really wrong. This is what you need to do. Um, You know, if this is the platform that I'm presented and, and I'm going to make a change, then absolutely. Um, but you know, it was, it's funny because people are like, you're an activist. And I'm like, well, how am I an activist? Cause I can name some activists. I'm just noticing that there's an issue here and that there's a resolution that I'm aware of. So, um, that's another thing. People are throwing, you know, the word activists around and any person that stands up for something that is, wrong right. is now called an activist um but do you feel like you're more vocal now than you've ever been because I've of what's going on always you don't, you don't think it's been heightened do you think that you're getting more business so here's the other side of we talked a little bit about it but do you think you're getting more business because you're being vocal or because you feel like brands need to work with you or want to work with you because you're vocal well i would hope that people would want to work with me based on like my work performance first and foremost if it's to check a box and hire a black person i'm saying both i'm saying both not just to check a box i'm saying they want to work with you because they know you're great but now they really want to work with you because you're great and you're doing the quote-unquote right thing and so they're aligning with that i think it's a duality like yes people i mean it's different like i have two jobs right my agency's one job the council is a completely different job so I work on both all day, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that there's going to be spillover from one to the other. Um, But in terms of like agency work, we, you know, the work I'm doing has definitely amplified my visibility amongst people that maybe I wouldn't reach uh, day to day because um, I'm not at a larger corporate agency and um, I'm not a white woman or a man. And so I wouldn't necessarily be the first one presented, but I will say I, over the course of my career, have been presented for a lot of great things without having to promote it or promote myself. Um over the past couple of months, obviously I've done more press than I would ever do, but it's also to talk about, you know, this bigger picture. And if it's telling my personal story and people uh, getting to know what I do a little better or getting to know me better, if they, I like to work with people I like, and I like people to like me too, so that we have a good relationship that doesn't feel tense. Um, so if that's the case, then sure. Like I'm, I have a business, like I, I'm paying people. So of course I would want to continue to elevate them in my company, you know, moving forward as best as possible and more work or better work or whatever people say is, is important. 
in general. Sandrine, what you're doing is dope as fuck. Um, we're allowed to curse on this podcast, so if you want to get a couple of curses out, definitely do that. And just let us know um, where we can find your stuff, where our listeners can find your stuff, websites, social handles, all that stuff. Um, I'm at Sandrine Charles at S-A-N-D-R-I-N-E-C-H-A-R-L-E-S. Um, my agency is Sandrine Charles Consulting, sandrinecharles.com. You can support the Black and Fashion Council, blackandfashioncouncil.com. Same for our Instagram handle, at Black and Fashion Council. And, you know, we have a newsletter. We provide updates. So we definitely want people to stay tuned. It's not just, you know, for like the highlighted moments, um, but also for the work being done. So we still have a lot to do. I mean, we have to build our subcommittees. We have our membership that needs to, you know, kick off soon with all the people who want to be more proactive. It, it'll get there. Everything will get there. Thank you so much, Sandrine. Appreciate you. Thank you, Queen. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow us on all social channels at The Black Box Pod. The show would not be possible without our team. Special thanks to our producers, Amanda Berkowitz and Katie McGuigan. Our video director, Paul Aspen. Music by Ye Ali. Designed by Lineage Digital. All photos by Jonathan Gabriel Charles. And our production house, Gotham Podcast Studio in New York City. Special shout out to Raul Hernandez. We'll see you guys next time.